following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Hallelujah. So I walked outside today with a short sleeve shirt on because we live in Austin. And it is just October, the end of October. November's coming before next Sunday. And what a joy to say, wow, it's cold out here. A little cool. Got in the car and it was 41 degrees. I like that. And I said, oh, God, when's summer coming again? <laughs> I, my blood just doesn't, doesn't fit this kind of weather, but at the same time, we need it. And I, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to do all I can to just smile through it all. Because uh, we have mild winters. I love the fact when I used to play a lot of golf, I love the fact that Austin was a 12-month out-of-the-year golf place. You might miss a day or two, but you didn't have to miss months. And so now that I don't play golf, I wish it would get hotter quicker. I love all of you. If you were here Friday night, I want you to clap your hands for the men's event. If you were here Friday night. I've been receiving so many calls and so many texts about how wonderful Friday night was. We had axe throwing, and we broke every axe except one. <laughs> Somebody was trying to throw fastballs at the target. I don't know. Those axes just flip, and you just hit the target, and they'll stick. But somebody was trying to break the target. And we broke all of them except one. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll have to think about doing uh, darts next time with those with those magnetic ends, you know what I'm saying? And we had great food, but the, the culmination of the whole evening was four-star General Vincent Brooks. Vincent Brooks sitting in church today. Sir, I, I want to thank you. I've already thanked him personally, but I want to thank you publicly from this pulpit, from this lectern today. What a joy to hear such a humility message that we heard on Friday night, and the guys that made it said, Pastor, we need to do this real quick all over again. We will, in the first of the year, we'll have some more. I told you folks, when we do stuff, we do it first class, and uh, the general was first class, and we honor him. Can we give him a great big hand clap today? Amen. A true gentleman, a true servant of the Lord, God bless his heart today. If you'll stand to your feet, I would appreciate it. I'm going to minister today. It's a change of season, so I'm going to talk about something a little bit different here today. I'm going to speak on today a bridge between two worlds. A bridge between two worlds. Yesterday, we uh, said goodbye to a 23-year-old young man that was a member of our church that was killed in a tragedy here in Austin a Wednesday or so ago. On the 16th day of October, he, he, went, he went to heaven. And uh, I, I was already thinking about this message that I was going to preach. And then it just struck me. We are living between two worlds. We really are. But there is a bridge between those two worlds. And we're going to talk about that today and ask God to help us. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to help the pastor today. Then I want you to repeat after me, Pastor, Pastor. Preach, to me today. preach to me today. Let the Word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. Let the Word touch my heart. 
Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. You may be seated. You're awesome, awesome, awesome people. We've all read stories or watched movies about spies and about espionage, James Bond. Intriguing. We understand spies live in a constant tension of being found out, maybe either one side or the other, because spies are hiding their true identity and purpose. And even the tiniest false move could blow their cover and put them in jeopardy and danger. And that kind of premise guarantees that a spy story or a movie will be filled with tension, with excitement, and sitting on the edge of your seat how it's going to end. One of the most famous true spies of the modern time was a Spanish man by the name of Juan Pujol Garcia. At the start of World War II, Garcia approached British intelligence agents in Spain and offered his services as a spy for the British government. Garcia was a brilliant man who cared deeply about defeating the Nazis. But the British government kept turning down his offers for help. So Juan Garcia decided to defeat the Nazis an entirely different way. Brilliant man. He approached German intelligence agents in Spain and pretending to be a fanatical Nazi sympathizer, he offered to spy against the British. The Nazis hired him immediately. This was the start of the most brilliant intelligent operation in modern history. It's a beautiful story. Garcia had a handler named Tomas Harris, and they created hundreds of false reports detailing the secret plans of, of British troops. And they fed these plans to the Germans almost daily. Garcia's greatest deception was convincing German military commanders that the invasion of Normandy was not the biggest assault planned in France. He provided intelligent reports that convinced the Germans that a much bigger invasion was planned in a different site a long way away in France. And the German commanders believed him and reserved some of their best forces far away from Normandy. The British government believes that it was this strategy that allowed the Allies to succeed against the German forces on that fateful day called D-Day. Garcia was so successful, folks, I love his story and his work, that he is the only person to have been awarded the highest military honors from both the German and British governments. He was good. He was good. I thought that'd wake you up. For those of us who aren't world-famous spies, even though some of you love it and you would like to be and you think you are, my wife is in that category. The danger of living between two worlds is that we might forget our true identity. Jesus knew this was a very real danger with people that followed him. Jesus knew his followers lived in the tension between two worlds. And it's still true today. They had many of them Roman citizenship, and yet they were natural-born Hebrews. And so they lived between two worlds. The Bible says that our citizenship now is in heaven. 
and our values and our priorities and our relationships now reflect the values of our God in heaven. Can you say amen to that? But our bodies, our bodies are still living in this world, a world full of sin, a world in which people neither fear God nor really care for their fellow man. And you can say amen to that because it's so. Walter Payton, they called him sweetness, ran, ran for the Chicago Bears for a period of 13 years, a running back. And during his career, he rushed for 16,726 yards. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? That's a lot of running. It's more than nine miles worth of rushing yards. That's a lot of running. But you know what makes it even more impressive is that he achieved this record with someone knocking him down every 4.6 yards. He got knocked down. Jesus knew that his people, his disciples, his followers were going to get knocked down over and over and over and over again. Because that's just the way the world is. I'm going to talk to you now. How could he convince them to get back up and keep running? Because the difference between a righteous man and an unrighteous man is that everybody gets knocked down, but a righteous man gets back up again. A righteous man stands tall again. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is Micah 7 and 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. It didn't say if I fall. It said when I fall, because all of us are going to fall. We're all going to get knocked down. But don't rejoice over that enemy. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to get back up. He told them a parable that they should always pray and never give up. In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, this passage, I'm not going to take time to read it all, but it's about a persistent widow and an unjust judge. And she had, a, she had this spirit of importunity on her. She just kept coming. It's actually part of a larger teaching and all about the kingdom of God. And to understand Luke 18, you have to go back and read the end of Luke 17. Many people don't. Luke 17, verse 20 through 37, Jesus warns his followers that the kingdom of God is coming. I want to stop and say to all of you today, the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus is coming. Many ministers don't preach that any longer, but this, this preacher is going to continue to tell you that the day of the Lord is nigh at hand. Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you believe that? And he wanted to be prepare, prepare them because most people he knew would not be ready for it. Remember, remember he told them that it was going to happen this way, that two would be in the field and one would be taken and the other left, Luke 17. Two would be in the bed and one would be taken and the other left. And two would be working in a meal and one would be taken and the other left. And then he said this, one short verse, remember Lot's wife. And all he said that about in 17 was the fact that when you get out of a disastrous past, when you get out of a yesterday problem, don't walk away from that problem and yearn to see what it is again. Don't turn around and look again to see where God has delivered you from. Let the bygones and the past be the past. Let yesterday be yesterday and walk in the direction of the mountaintop experience that God has for you. Say amen to that. 
So he said, you'll be in the middle of an ordinary day, busy lives, just another day, and the kingdom of God will suddenly be here. And then we get to Luke 18, which begins, then Jesus told his disciples in verse 1, a parable to show them that they should always pray. Everybody say, and not give up. So the parable is about a, a poor widow woman. In Jesus' days, widows had nothing. If their family or community didn't watch out for them, they were in deep trouble. The very word widow in the Hebrew literally means one who is silent. In other words, she didn't have a voice in her society. And this one was in trouble without a voice. She had been wronged and she goes to the court for justice. But the judge at the court is heartless and he's corrupt and he's vain, and he doesn't, he doesn't care about God, he doesn't care about man, he has no morality, he has no compassion. And the judge is a good example of our fallen world. I hate to use a small description of it, but we had that in our building program for the last eight months or nine months when somebody promised us that they would be there with funds and then said no at the very end, that they would not be sponsoring uh, 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 schools or nonprofits any longer. And so we were held and saying, what are we going to do, God? But prayer was made. Prayer was made. And we sat down with people that had understanding of Christian banks that could help us. And in five weeks, folks, in five weeks, God answered our prayer, gave us our money. Hallelujah. Gave us our money, closed our loan, and now we're building again. If you want to see something working, go inside the new fellowship hall and see our, or the new lobby and see what's happening over there. God is good to his kids. Clap your hands for that. But this corrupt judge had all the power in this woman's life. This poor woman is a picture of all believers who are holding on to their faith in a corrupt and unjust world. They're praying for God's will. They're praying to hear his voice. They're praying for mercy and enough grace to get through another day. And Jesus says this in Luke 18, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Paul wrote his letters. He said, don't cease praying. He said, keep praying. Don't stop believing that God can and will give you justice in your life. Remember, a day does not a life make. You've got a tomorrow and you've got the next day and God's out there waiting for you right now. You may not be where you want to be now, but just keep walking. Don't give up. Keep praying. God is for you. And if God's for you, who can be against you? I love the story about the little town in Oklahoma that had two churches and one distillery. And the churches thought the distillery was bringing a bad image to the town. So to make matters worse, the distillery had an owner who was an atheist, cared nothing about God, didn't believe in God one bit. And the church saints tried unsuccessfully for years to shut down this distillery. And finally, they decided to have a joint Saturday night prayer meeting, two churches. And they prayed, and while they were praying, a huge storm came up, a lot of rain, a lot of thunder, a lot of lightning. And on that Saturday night, lightning struck that distillery <laughs> and burned it to the ground. And the next morning, sermons were preached in both of those pulpits of those two churches about the power of prayer. But the insurance adjusters 
promptly notified the distillery owner that they were not going to pay for the damages because the fire was an act of God and it was an exclusion to his policy. And the distillery owner was furious so he sued both churches claiming that they conspired with God (laughs) to destroy his business. But the churches denied that they had anything to do with the cause of the fire. And so the presiding judge opened the trial with these words. I find one thing in this case most perplexing. He said, we have a situation here where the plaintiff, an atheist, is professing his belief in the power of prayer. And the defendants, all faithful church members, are denying the very same power. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Either believe what you're praying or get up and go home. I still believe that God answers prayer. Hallelujah. (laughs) Come on, somebody, clap real big for that because he does. He spent three and a half years in his ministry creating vision of what his ministry was going to be. He wanted people to understand who he was. And his original plan for creation was, and he wanted them to understand that no matter how corrupt and how unjust this world can be and get, he would come back as Messiah someday and he would establish the kingdom of God. So how do we fight off frustration and weariness in the meantime? Jesus commands us to pray. It's about prayer. Prayer is the bridge between this world and the kingdom of God. Pray without ceasing, continue knocking. I read a cute story not long ago, not long ago, that the power went off in a church. And so the organ in the large church was broke down just before the service began, and a member of the congregation happened to be an organ fixer. And he realized what the problem was, and the, the electricity came back on, but the organ still wasn't working, so the repairman immediately went to work on this instrument, find a simple electrical problem in the organ as well as the one in the church. And when he finally got it fixed, it was just about the middle of the sermon, and he knew the preacher would pray after the sermon. And he quietly passed a note to the organist which read, After prayer, the power will be on. Some people worry, frustrate, act like they don't know God exists in their situations. But after prayer, the power will be back on. Turn your power on. The Union Pacific Railroad was being constructed in the west and and an elaborate trestle bridge was built across a large canyon. And wanting to test the bridge, the builder loaded a train with enough extra cars and equipment to double its normal payload. And the train then was driven to the middle of the bridge where it stayed an entire day and an entire night. And the next morning, one worker asked, are you trying to break that bridge, sir? And the man that built it said, no, I'm trying to prove that the bridge won't break. Can I tell you something? I don't care what you know about prayer, how you pray. I believe in all kinds of prayer. I believe in kneeling prayer. I believe in walking prayer. I believe in laying down prayer. I believe in car driving prayer. I believe in long prayers. I believe in short prayers. I believe in God prayers. I believe in self prayers. I believe in prayers in an unknown tongue. I believe prayers in my own language. I believe that God answers prayer and I'm gonna keep praying because it is the bridge. Well, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. I don't know how to pray. Well, let me tell you how. Oh, God, help me. 
Pete walks on the water, then he sees the wind and the waves, and he starts sinking. He said, Jesus, save me. That's all it's about. It's just realizing there's a power higher than you. Matthew 6, the Bible says, Jesus says that God knows what we need before we even ask him. So what is the purpose of prayer? Let me give you five things that are not on the screen. Prayer puts you in God's presence immediately. O thou that hearest prayer. Well, pastor, I'm a sinner. How do you think you're going to get saved? You're going to pray. God hears sinners' prayers. He's going to heal you. He's going to help you. Prayer may not change our circumstances, but it'll change us. Amen? Prayer helps us see this world and respond to it the way God would. That's the third one. The fourth one, prayer gives us the strength and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that gives us eternal perspective on a current circumstance. That's what prayer does. And the last, a persistent prayer reminds me that God is working in this world whether we see results or not. We're still going to pray no matter what. Folks, when my eyes open, when my eyes open in the morning, I've told this before and I'm going to tell it again. I walk in the bathroom and I see this man. God, he's ugly. He is so ugly. My hair, what I've got left, sometimes looks like two goalposts sticking straight up. Somebody could kick between a, a ball between it. And I look at that man in the mirror and I say, God, I need you today. God, help me today. Use my hands, God, as instruments of the Lord. Use my heart, God, as instruments of you. Use my feet today. Let me find somebody that loves you and wants to walk with you and seek your face. God, let me know that you're with me today. I love you today. Hey, Lord, it's Thursday and I'm here. I love you today on Thursday. You know what? I've prayed. And when I pray like that, I'm in his presence. I'm walking in his fullness. I'm persistent in what I do. When I get in my car, I know how I drive sometime because my reticular activator wants me to go one way and, 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 I, and I, I go that way and I need to go the other way on a particular day. And all I know is when I get in my car, it just goes to church. It just goes to church and I need to go someplace else sometime. But God says, no, the first place you need to go in your life is to the house of God. You need to pray. You need to seek my face. I'm telling you that prayer still works. There was a man that was helping Russians, helping them with oppressed citizens. His name was Nathan Sharansky. They made a movie about this guy and he was arrested and put in for 13 years in a labor camp in Soviet Union because he was helping these oppressed citizens of the Soviet Union. And for nine long years, he lived in a barren prison cell, solitary confinement, and performed hard daily labor. And the story of this unjust imprisonment caught the attention of politicians and supporters all around the world, and they finally pressured the Soviet government to release Sharensky in a prisoner exchange. And the exchange took place February 1986 in East Germany which is under the control of the communists at the time. And the Soviet officials, Nathan Sarinsky, stood on the east side of the Glen Necky Bridge in Berlin, and politicians and human rights activists and journalists crowded the west side. And the guard released Sarinsky, and he began to cross the bridge to freedom. But he did a strange thing. Instead of just walking across the bridge, Sarinsky started zigzagging. And then he skipped a little bit, and then he did a powerette. He, he danced. He danced in the middle of the bridge, just danced crazy. 
to the cheering crowd on the west side that he was coming to. And when a reporter asked him later why he had chosen such a strange way to cross the bridge, Sharansky replied that the KGB had told him to cross the bridge in a straight line and his last act of defiance of what he was walking away from was to dance all the way across the bridge to freedom. Here's what I think you ought to do. I think you ought to understand that this world is not your home. There is a bridge to the other side. And that bridge is crossed by prayer and supplication to the Father. And when you leave this world behind, you don't need to let this world think you want to come back to it. You need to start zigzagging and pirating and dancing and shouting and saying, I'm going away from this. I'm going to walk in the firmness and the favor of God in my life. Somebody help me preach right now. That's what it's all about. Come on, this world is not our home. We've got a bridge that can be spanned by prayer. By prayer. Prayer is the tool God used to set us free from the values and the power of this world. The poor widow in the parable had no power against the unjust judge, but she wasn't afraid. She wasn't afraid to demand justice that she deserved. She wasn't afraid to stand up to his apathy and corruption. She wasn't afraid. Her faith in a just God gave her the courage and determination to persevere. Here's what I say. We must persist in prayer because we have a God who keeps his promises. Somebody said, you know, Pastor, God didn't hear me. You know, God God didn't answer my prayer. I prayed. I prayed Thursday. What time? 7.45. What time did you get through? 7.50. And I thought by eight, God would be there. No, no, he doesn't work that way. Sometimes God steals the storm and sometimes he steals the soul in the storm. But prayer always works. Prayer always works. I've got to get that in your head. Jesus notes the widow kept coming back day after day. And finally, in verse five, the old unjust judge said, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow kept bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. (laughs) That woman had some persistence. He thought he was going to get attacked. The the Greek word there is hupopiazo, H-U-P-O-P-I-A-Z-O. It's a boxing term that means you hit somebody square in the eye. She was hitting him right in his eyeballs. She said, I'm going to hit you again. I'm going to hit you again. I'm going to hit you again. Here's what I'm telling you, folks. Prayer in the Bible is not weak prayer. Prayer in the Bible is strong prayer. Prayer in the Bible is mountain-moving prayer. Prayer in the Bible is prison-opening prayer. Prayer in the Bible is faith-healing prayer. Prayer in the Bible changes the scene of everything. And we need to get a hold of that kind of prayer in our life and start praying that kind of prayer, and God will give us those kind of results. I got to hurry. She would not give up. You know, we had, a, we had a lady in this church that just died about three years ago. Her name was LaVon McManus, and she was a widow. And I just I got to thinking about LaVon. LaVon was the kind of woman that would come up and she said, God told me that y'all are wanting children in your family. And a lot of times young couples just go to crying. She said, come here, let me pray for you. And if she ever got... Her hands on your head. Get ready. You'd ask her to stop praying. You'd have kids like rabbits have little rabbits. (laughs) LaVon knew how to pray those kind of prayers. She knew how to pray those kinds of prayers. She prayed for me one time, and I ain't never even seen a 
a, a whisper of what was problem in me at that time because she knew how to get a hold of it. There's some people that just know how to turn God on to their favor because they will not stop until God answers their prayer. They will not stop pleading until God answers their petition. And I declare that this church, this body of believers needs to understand that with all that you have, that God is with us and he wants to help us and he wants to give us the kingdom. His kingdom is coming and we've got to be persistent in our prayer life to receive what he has for us. Tony Campolo told an intriguing story. I love Tony. I love Tony about being in service where a man prayed a pointed prayer for a friend. He said, dear Lord, you know Charlie Stoltzus? He said he lives in a silver trailer down the road a mile, Lord. He's leaving his wife and kids. Please do something about him, Lord. Keep his family together. And amazingly, as the man prayed, he repeated the location of the silver trailer down the road a mile. And Tony wanted to say, knock it off, man. He's God. He knows where the guy lives. Why are you doing Tell him the address again? Because God likes us to pray those kind of prayers. Specific, specific. And after the prayer, Tony preached, then left to drive home. And on the turnpike, he noticed a hitchhiker, and it was the daytime. So he decided to give him a lift. He said, my name's Tony. He said, what's your name? He said, Charlie Stolfus. The hitchhiker looked at him, and he said, sir, you look kind of dumbfounded. What's, what, 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 is my name a problem? It was the young man for whom the prayer had been offered. Campolo didn't say a word, just got off at the next exit. And the man said, where are you taking me, sir? He said, I'm taking you home. Amen. And the hitchhiker stared and he didn't say a word. Tony drove him right up to the silver trailer, got out, went in, met his wife and kids, led him to the Lord that afternoon, and the man's a preacher of the gospel today. Here, <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm talking about something that works. I had a dear friend of mine. I had a dear friend of mine who had an uncle. The man, both of them are dead now, but years ago, the uncle was in Louisiana, and God said, I want you to get on a bus, and I want you to go to California, and I want you to preach revival in California. He said, where? He said, I'll tell you where when I get you there. The man got on the bus, and he was in the desert. Between Arizona and California, he was in that hot desert. And the Lord said, tell the bus driver to stop right here. And the man said, Lord, it's desert. He said, tell the bus driver to stop here. And the bus driver stopped and the man said, I got to get out. <laughs> Back in that day, they believed in the God factor more than they do today. But listen to me, God's power and his direction in our life has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His power still works today. And I'm telling you stories that's blowing your mind because I want to blow your mind. He gets off the bus. He said, well, thank you, Lord. I got my suitcase here. What do I do now? Before he could even count a minute, a car drove up and said, are you brother so-and-so? He said, I am. He said, God told me you'd be here waiting on me. Wow. He said, you're supposed to preach me a revival. That man preached revival in that church for six months. Six-month revival, and that church established itself. It's still one of the greatest churches in California, Spirit-filled church, because God said, I've got you in my hand. Now, you listen to me. That kind of God is the kind of God that needs to have somebody pray to. 
That kind of God is a God that, that somebody needs to talk to and say, Lord, I've got some specific needs in my life. I've got some situations that I think you can help me with. And God said, just let me know them. Come on, just talk to me. Just talk to me about your situation. I'm going to help you out. And, and don't give up on God when it doesn't happen at 8 o'clock. Pray again and pray again and pray again because we should always pray and never faint. Jesus, Matthew 26, was surrounded by Roman guards. It was the night of his prayer, the night of his saying his salutations, the night of him praying for the church. It was his, it was his garden of Gethsemane. And the Roman soldiers have come to arrest him and take him to trial. And Peter takes a sword. Evidently, he was on the watch team. You'll get that after a while. A disciple carrying a sword must have been on the watch. He took care of Jesus. He takes a mighty swing. He misses what he was aiming for. He's going to take somebody's neck off, and he cuts the high priest's servant's ear off. Jesus said, put up your sword, Simon. He healed the man's ear. He said, they that live by the sword die by it. But then he made this statement. He said, don't you think that I could now pray right now in Jesus' darkest hour back against the wall, everybody against him in the kingdom of Rome. Nobody loved him in the kingdom of Israel. Even his disciples forsook him. I could even now pray to my father and he would presently send me 12 legions of angels. I could do that right now. Jesus told us two things. I've got the power to summons anything I need. But this is the thing that he really told me. It's never too late to pray. It's never too late to get a prayer life in your life. We are living in the end time and we need to learn to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I was raised... I was raised in old-time Pentecost. And uh, we used doctors. We wasn't that, that bad, but we believed that prayer changed things. And I remember hearing this phrase a whole lot in my life as a child. Dad, I got something bothering me. Son, just go pray through. Go pray through. Dad, I got a problem with the teacher at school. Go pray through it, son. Go pray through it. We always use that verbiage, go pray through. Just go pray through. The church I went to every Sunday night, the pastor would give a praying through call. Anybody want to come and pray through again? Get an again experience of praying through. And it's a strange word to people nowadays because we want to medicate through. We want to use other kind of things to get through it. But I promise you the greatest way to get through any problem in your life is just pray right on through it. You just got to pray through it. You got to go through it. You got to pray through it. You know, when you're in the valley of death, walk through it. Don't, don't stay there. Don't stay there. 
Yea, though I walk through. Here's what I want to declare to you. God still answers prayer. And he loves persistence. He loves persistence. He loves persistence. He loves somebody that he didn't get their answer on Tuesday, but I'm going to be here on Wednesday. He loves people like that. Would you stand to your feet? You're incredible people, and I love you very, very much. Very, very much. I want you to go home and put three words on a piece of paper and, and magnetize it to your refrigerator. Here's the three words I want you to put down. Pray through it. Pray through it. Whatever it is, just pray through it. Pray through it. Get to the other side. Don't look back. Don't look back, Lot's wife. Don't look back. You got through it. Don't look back and go reclaim it. God's got his hand on you, and God answers prayer, and we've got to be ready for the coming of the Son of Man. Amen? He's coming back to get us. I love you. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to lift your hands and have your own prayer time right now in this service. We've got a few moments here before we have to dismiss. But I want you to raise your hands all over the building and say, God, I trust you and I believe you. And pastor said that I'm in the presence of God when I pray, when I pray. And so I'm going to pray. I'm going to start a prayer life. I'm going to start giving myself to you, God. I'm going to start unveiling some things in my life to you, God. I'm going to get honest with you. I'm going to get frank with you. I'm going, to get, I'm going to get transparent with you. I'm going to come clean in my life with you, God, because you know everything about me already. And I'm going to learn how to get up and go on. I'm going to pray through some things. I'm going to get through some things in my life. I'm going to walk through them. I'm going to pray through them. I'm going to believe through them. In the name of the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now let me bless you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Bless this congregation right now. Bless these people right now. Let faith arise in their heart and let hope sustain them as never before. And let them believe that your grace is sufficient. And let them understand that all things work together for good to those who are called of the Lord, are loved, are loved the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Thank you for that, Lord. We're gonna get back up. We're gonna keep walking because you're our God and you take care of us. We're going to be ready for the coming of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.